it was so nice being with them because we were with them when they broke yes. to be the biggest band in the world. When they found out they'd gone number one in the UK and number one in the States, you know, we were actually sharing the excitement with them. This is no word of a lie. <laughs> we spent the whole day oh my word. trying to get this bloody shaker in time. And the thing is, at that time, we were paying £1,500 a day. So that bloody shaker on Hot Wired <laughs> cost 1500 quid. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks, as always, for hitting play. Now, today's guest is a drummer with a band that started way back in 1984. They rode at the forefront of the AOR, melodic hard rock wave of the 80s here in the UK, and toured with some of the biggest acts on the planet, from Meatloaf to Whitesnake to Foreigner to Tina Turner to Status Quo to Gary Moore. They literally were rubbing shoulders with the very best. They toured prolifically back in the day, and after a 12-year hiatus in the late 90s, mid-noughties, they came back and have worked just as hard since then. If you're a concert-goer and you've been to one of these big shows in the last, what, 20 years or so, you've definitely seen them live in concert. They even played up here in the Highlands of Scotland last year. I am talking about the band FM or FM UK, as they're known in North America, and my guest today is the long-standing Pete Jupp. Now, before we hear from him, though, a few shout-outs this week. Firstly, to the organisers of Rock and Pod 2023 in Nashville. It's a convention featuring rock stars and podcasters, panel discussions, live performances and more. Anyway, they gave Vintage Rock Pod a shout-out on social media channels this week, which was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much. You can learn more about Rock and Pod 2023 in Nashville by visiting rockandpod, that's an N, rockandpod.com. I would love to be there. I wonder if I could wangle a trip. Anyway, the uh, Daily This Day Rocks episodes have been getting a great reception as well. Download numbers are up right across the board through the roof. Feedback has been really, really positive. So thank you to everyone for embracing it. It makes the hard work of pulling together a daily show with different guests each day definitely worthwhile. If you've not given it a try yet, definitely do. Just dip your toe in. They're only five minutes long and it brings you something new each and every day. One of the uh, recent episodes I did featured Tom and Zeus from Shout It Out Loudcast. It's a KISS fans podcast, also on the Pantheon Podcast Network. We talked on the day about the KISS feature-length video KISS Exposed, which was released on this day back in time. Now, it got a lot of attention, so many people sharing their memories of that video, so thank you so much. And also, this is my first episode recording since I saw the fantastic concert in Glasgow of Whitesnake, Foreigner and Europe. It was a great show, even if David Coverdale's voice is not quite what it was. He is in his 70s, so we're going to let him off. But they uh, they all put on a great show. Whitesnake played all the big hits, as you'd hope they would. Foreigner 2, they were fantastic. I know they get kind of referred to as a tribute act these days, seeing as though there's no original members, but their performance was incredibly tight. It was really good. And it was nice to see Mick Jones join the rest of the band on stage as well for the last few songs. He is looking very frail now, though, so I wish him all the health in the world. And uh, let's not forget Europe as well. They opened the show, and I've got to say, Joey Tempest 
Tempest's voice is still absolutely bang on. They put on a great show. His windpipes are incredible. He was all over the stage and they rocked the place. I mean, they rocked the night, shall we say. John's guitar still shredding as well. It was a fantastic show all in all. If you've managed to catch the White Snake Foreigner and Europe tour across the UK, then you will have seen a brilliant, brilliant night of music. I think White Snake are going to be touring the US. They're going to be supporting Scorpions. So that's fantastic. Definitely do check out those brilliant bands. And speaking of fantastic shows, I've been working closely with Tenacity PR, who are involved in the Great British Rhythm and Blues Festival, Rock, Roots and Folk, taking place this August bank holiday weekend here in the UK, Friday 26th to Sunday the 28th. And it's got a great lineup of acts. Last week's big interview show, episode 63, featured one of those playing a legend, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, John Steele from The Animals. Please do go back and listen to that if you haven't done so so far. A few people we've already interviewed here on the show as well, including 10 years after drummer Rick Lee. His band is going to be there. I recently interviewed Ray Laidlaw, the former Lindisfarne drummer from the Glory Days. The current Lindisfarne lineup are going to be there as well, along with Atomic Rooster with Pete French, who was involved in Cactus. You've got Dr. Feelgood, Gino Washington, and a host of other great acts, including my guest today, Pete Jupp and his band FM. Now, for more details, check out colnbluesline.up.com or just search for Great British Rhythm and Blues. So, for today's interview then, with Pete Jupp, we talk about some of the crazy times the band spent recording, some of the moments on the road, the band's new album and tour, and about, well, a celebrity fan, shall we call it, a very famous adult male film star who's a big, big fan of the band. Plenty for you to dive into, so please enjoy this chat with Pete Jupp from FM. The Great British Rhythm and Blues Festival, Roots, Rock and Folk. Now there's yourselves, FM obviously, uh, Animals and Friends with John Steele, the original member. You've got uh, Rick Lee from 10 Years After, another former guest on the show. There's the likes of Atomic Rooster and Gino Washington and Lindisfarne and Dr. Feelgood. You guys are on on the Saturday night, but it's it's a fantastic lineup of acts, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah, we're in some, we're in some good company, you know, very good indeed. So we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I think we have to start to uh, start paying council tax up in Scotland soon. We've been up there, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, we are. We're looking for. It's just nice to be back playing again. That that's the main thing. You know, it was just being employed. You know, again yes. um, is good. We're, we're very lucky. You know, that's all I can say. And uh, thanks to everyone who's been coming to the shows and everything. You know, we we really, really do appreciate it. Definitely, yeah. definitely. And we had a quick chat off air. You, you guys have, you literally do tour the whole of the UK because I live in the Highlands of Scotland, as my listeners know. And you guys have been up here a number of times. I think it was last November, the last time you were up for the Monster Fest, headlining with uh, Marco yeah. Mendoza and Wild Hearts and all these yeah. sorts of big acts as well. Yeah. yeah, we did that. And then I say we're in Glasgow last weekend. Um, we, you know, we try, we try and cover as much of, of the UK as we possibly can. You know, it's um, but sometimes it's hard to get into some yeah, places, but we we do try, you know, or we're very trying. Put it that way. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no, we we you know we try and keep everyone happy, but it, it's hard to sometimes, you know. Yeah. But uh, so yes, but we'll be there. So looking forward to it. Now, I'm guessing yeah. you're going to be playing some of the songs from your, your new album, which has just come out. It's your thirteenth album. It's uh, it's called Thirteen clever name um, <laughs> you've no done a few shows as, as, as you said you, you were in Glasgow not too long ago um, how are the new songs going down yeah they, they've been very well received we've actually we're doing three songs off the off the new album okay. um, which is a lot for us uh, it, it's tough because you know if, if I go and see one of my favourite bands I want to hear all the 
you know, the hits, yeah. so to speak, or the popular songs. So I don't think it's right just putting in loads of new stuff. But like I say, we've actually put three songs off the album into this set. For the first time, we've been playing Crack Alley off of uh, Taking It To The Streets. But the actual set list has been really well received by everybody, like, like even comments, you know. So uh, hopefully we're doing something right. But you can never please everybody. You know, it's impossible. You, know. <laughs> you can only try your best. And talking about well-received, yes, exactly. the album 13 itself, that has been well-received by critics and the likes and a lot of uh, really kind reviews, really good reviews as well. I mean, yeah, that must feel yeah. nice so long into your career. It's, it's great um, because this album was kind of recorded in lockdown you know we were doing a lot of it remotely each of us being at home and then when restrictions would lift we'd all get together then it'd come in again so it'd all go you know um so it's the first album we've done like this and it looks like we didn't completely blow it so uh <laughs> yeah, it's good no the, the reaction has been very very good so we're very very pleased because we never know we always make try and make the best album we possibly can obviously but you never know until you put it out to the public how it's going to be received. But uh, thankfully, we got away with it again this time, you know. And even a global so. pandemic couldn't stop the, the schedule of releasing albums. It's pretty much every two years at the moment, isn't it? You've been doing it the last, well, three or four yeah. albums. Yeah, well, we probably haven't got that much longer left in us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't be hanging around, you know. So, uh, <laughs> um, like I said, we're, en- we're enjoying it. That's the main thing. And we also feel really blessed that we're able to do it. That's one of the things, you know, I remember when we split up in 94, 95, whenever it was, I just thought, oh, well, we've had a great time and that'll be it sort of thing. And then when we got back together in 2006, 2007, whenever that was, I can't remember, <laughs> um, it was like, wow, I've got another chance here kind of thing. And I remember we were playing with, um, we were in Dublin, with Foreigner and Journey. And I just remember standing on the stage with these two amazing acts thinking, <laughs> wow, wow indeed. I really I really am a lucky lucky man, you know, and I really do appreciate it, you know. <laughs> so yeah, we, we all appreciate it. And we just appreciate everyone coming out, supporting us, spending the hard earned cash on, you know, albums, tickets and merchandise. You know, we really we don't take it for granted, put it that way. Indeed, indeed. Lucky boy, as you said. Now let's go back to, to pretty much the beginning then, because you, you were in Samson, weren't you, yourself and Merv, and that was a, yeah. a harder rocking group, wasn't it? So tell us how yeah. that how that led to you joining up with Steve and that and the company to, to form FM, which is obviously a more AOR sort of uh, orientated band. Yeah, we were um, we were coming back from Ireland on the ferry, and it was a really rough crossing. And me and Merv were just chatting. And Merv was just saying, oh, you know, I really fancy doing something a bit more melodic kind of thing. And we, when we got back to the UK, we got together in a rehearsal room. It was me, Merv. We had, funny enough, we had Andy Barnett, mm-hmm. who, who was a member of FM, yep. you know, in the, in the early 90s. And we had various singers kind of thing and it just kind of fell fell apart Andy went off and joined Corey Hart um we couldn't really find a singer that we liked and I was just sat thinking one day and I suddenly thought right we need a singer and guitarist I thought ah Steve Overland and Chris Overland (laughs) and so I gave gave Steve a ring and um he said yeah let's let's get together and we we demoed four songs and just saying, well, let's see what happens. If we can get signed, then great. If not, then we'll, we, you know, won't take it any further. But we were lucky we got signed to Portrait. 
and the rest is kind of history, really. You know, there's been a few changes here and there, but mm. uh, we're still there. Absolutely. Um, and then the first album came along, Indiscreet, and it's one of those albums that's still held up today. It's still fondly remembered, isn't it? But uh, it's it's one of those that you guys actually produced that album yourselves, didn't you? I mean, what, tell us the story behind that. It was, yeah, it was probably... We we didn't want to actually produce it ourselves, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Um, but our manager at the time, Dave, he had he'd engineered all the demos that we did. And I kind of think it, um, this doesn't sound this sounds a bit worse than it actually is. I think his ego got in the way okay. of us getting a producer. He wanted to do it with us, and so he was he was like our go between between us and CBS. And he said, no, no, CBS love the demos. They want you to produce it. Um, so our thing was, okay, we'll produce it, but we want someone to mix it kind of thing. So, yeah, we went away. We started off in in Ibiza, like you do, you know. <laughs> oh, hard life. <laughs> to record, it was terrible <laughs> to record the drums. And then we came back to various studios over here. Um, and then when he got to the mixing stage, again, he said, no cbs want us to do it and we're like we, are you sure and he said no that's what they've said he probably didn't ask them you know to be <laughs> honest so you know we had no idea what we were doing really you know i remember we were in um we were in comfort's place studio in in england and merv said he wanted like a shaker like sort of thing panning between the speakers sort of thing which shouldn't be that difficult to do this is no word of a lie. We spent the whole day oh my word. trying to get this bloody shaker in time. And the thing is, at that time, we were paying £1,500 a day. Whoa. Well, so that bloody shaker on Hot Wired <laughs> cost 1500 quid. And there was a guy there who was like the tape assistant, and his name's Pete Woodruff. And he went on to um, work with Def Leppard. And he was probably sat there thinking, what a bunch of clowns, you know. <laughs> and we were, you know. <laughs> he was probably thinking, I could do that in about a minute. And I'm just sat here making tea, you know. <laughs> so, so there we go. If you listen to Hot Wired, you'll hear a shaker. It costs £1,500 to record, yeah. Yeah, very expensive, yeah. <laughs> Incredible when you think about what, what you can do now. And, and you talked about the last, oh. your recent album there, all made kind of remote and things like that and you can do yeah. things with pro tools in seconds so spending 1500 yeah. pound for, for a day's recording is, is staggering it's, i know it, it, but that was that was just the going race at the time for a residential studio you know um i'm um, that you know that meant you you your accommodation and food and mm-hmm. everything but yeah that was that was the going rate you know madness isn't it yes, you know certainly is. It certainly i doubt is. our last five albums have cost 1500 quid <laughs> <laughs> but whatever you did in that mixing studio with that, that day long of the shaker obviously works yeah. because uh, as we said the the album is still very very fondly remembered and and mm. it managed to get you on some big tours didn't it that year the likes of tina turner and, and you mentioned foreigner recently as well but um yeah. status quo and magnum and ario speedwagon but talk to me about um bon jovi because you managed to get on their uh uk leg of their slippery when wet tour i mean how was that uh amazing absolutely (laughs) brilliant it was so nice being with them because we were with them when they broke to be the biggest band in the world 
you know, we were actually sharing the excitement with them. I remember we were, um, I think we were in uh, Newcastle City Hall when they found out they'd gone number one in the UK and number one in the States. And it was just nice being around them, you know, because they, you know, they'd slogged around. It, it didn't happen overnight yeah. for them. They were a great bunch of guys, couldn't do enough for us. And the tour took us up a level, definitely. And so, no, it, it was fantastic. Sounds it. Sounds absolutely phenomenal. Now, the the next album, Tough It Out, was your follow-up and uh, another yep. one that's it's fondly remembered and thought of. But you have an interesting celebrity fan, shall we say, who, who told you that the title track of that got him through some difficult times oh. in prison. <laughs> Go on, tell us that story, Pete. That'll be Ben. <laughs> ben Dover. Ben yeah. Dover, indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, like Ben's a drummer. And oh, right, okay. He, he, amongst other things. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's a big FM fan, and wow. the, he he came to a show, and uh, and he came up to me and he said, "Oh, Pete, I'm such a massive fan of yours." And I said, "Oh, Ben, I'm such a massive fan of yours," <laughs> you know. Um, but he was telling me when when he got when he got banged up for for whatever, um, he Could was. Oh, I'll tell you, Pete. <laughs> yeah, he um, he said to that song "Tough Out" that got me through some dark times listening to that, and I'm like, oh, you know, fair enough. So. Uh, yeah, so never see. Well, the thing is, when he comes to our shows now, he signs more autographs than we do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he is, he's, he's like a really, he's a good drummer. Wow. You know, and uh, and he's he's probably more into the drums than the other stuff, but uh, probably gets paid more for the other stuff. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> yeah. But no, he's a good bloke. He's a really good bloke. Oh, fascinating to hear. Do you get many things <laughs> like that? Many many stories from from not just famous people but from from fans saying that your music gets them through certain times and periods and means a lot to them yeah funny enough i was talking to a friend today about it um back in the day before the internet and everything mm -hmm. um we used to have a fan club and it was just like right to a po box yeah we had the it was the fm international fan club and i remember getting this letter from this guy um and he bought tickets for, for the astoria in london and he said um yeah, I bought the tickets, and then a week before uh, the show, my, my father passed away, and he said it was like you know one of the lowest points of my life. Um, he wasn't sure what he should do, but he came along to the show, and he said for the hour and a half that we were playing, he forgot mm -hmm. all the you know all the bad stuff. And I thought, well, you can't really get much better than that, really, can you? You know, if if we can take his mind off of something that serious, sort of thing. You know, he was obviously still there, but he said yeah, for that yeah. hour and a half, it, you know, really helped him. So, yeah, that'll do for me, you know, definitely. It's the power of music, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, uh, you talk about yeah, low exactly. points. I've, I've, yeah. I've heard you say before that one of the low points of your career was was around the, the Dead Man's Shoes album and the recording and the slog and everything like that to, to pull it together. And yeah. that was the beginning of the end for the band. I mean, what was going on at that point? It was it was just so hard. I mean, the the grunge thing was coming through, yeah. you know, um, and we just became the most unfashionable band in the world <laughs> overnight. Near, you know, like melody was was like a dirty word. Yeah, you know. Um, so, you know, we didn't fall out. We didn't hate each other. It just got to a point where it, it's too hard. This and you know, the career was sort of going downwards rather than upwards or even just you know flatline and it was going down and so we just thought right let's let's just knock it on the head 
And so we did, like I said, but we always stayed friends. Yeah. You know, there was never any animosity or anything. You know, it was just like, it was just impossible. It's, we recorded Dead Man's Shoes in a, in like a social club in okay. Slough, you know, and we were borrowing gear to record it. Like Pat Cash, the tennis player, lent us this thing to record it on. You know, it's before computers had kind of, it was between computers and sort of the old analog studios yeah. you know he had this thing called an adat and um so we borrowed that and it was it was really hard work it really was it really was and so we thought we can't be doing that again it's too much you know so uh, but then luckily we we did reform certainly yeah. did a couple of questions there though i mean pat cash i mean what's the link to the band and um the second question linked to that is uh, why, why why does he have recording stuff is he was he into the music side of he, things um pat um pat was pat was a friend of andy okay uh, andy barnett yep. um but he became a friend of the band and he was always into playing guitar um and we actually went out and did some shows it was uh pat cash and the full metal racket <laughs> kind of thing we we're just playing covers like acdc and stuff oh, like brilliant. that and we did we did like half a dozen shows um yeah and he just bought some recording stuff you know, just for just for home use, and so uh, he lent it to us. Basically, he used to record onto a onto a VHS cassette, okay. sort of thing. You know, so uh, yeah, so good old Pat. <laughs> good old Pat Cash, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, as you said, you remained friends. You got back together for a big festival, two thousand six seven, as you said earlier on. Yeah, um, was it a pretty easy decision to say, "Come on, let's let's do this again properly, shall we, guys?" Well. Kieran Dargan, who organised the Firefest, he he'd been asking us probably from a year after we split up, okay. kind of thing. Oh, come and do the Firefest. Come, and we're like, no, 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 no. And then just one year, um, which was probably two thousand and five, if it was if we did the show in two thousand and six, um, he spoke to Merv, and Merv just rang everybody up, and it just it was just like it's probably going to be now or never. If we don't do it now, then we probably never will. And so. We, um, yeah, we got back together, had a few rehearsals. Um, and the deal was we weren't allowed to do a warm up show. We just had to do the yeah. Firefest, which was a bit daunting. So we hadn't played for 12 years. <laughs> um, and we were just literally, this is no word of a lie. Our plan was do the show, try not to embarrass ourselves. And we were thinking, well, well, you know, if a couple of hundred people turn up, it'll be great. We'll have a few drinks and then we'll just go our separate ways again, you know? Um, but the, we sold out Nottingham rock city, 1500 people. And I'm not blowing like our trumpet, but it was like a religious experience. Yeah. It was like the Beatles had reformed or something. And it was like, I mean, we came off stage shell shocked. I hope this doesn't sound too corny, but you could feel the love from the audience oh, coming to you. And so he came off stage and it was like, bloody hell, um, I suppose we better do an album. <laughs> and it was like, well, okay then, how do we do that? And and it's just gone on from there. And here we are today, yeah, you know. Here we are today. So, uh, yeah, good old Kieran, that's all I can say, yeah. you know. Thank you very much, Kieran. Now, uh, as you said, you that's where we are today. And we talk about being on stage and things. You've got a, a, a busy few months ahead of you. We've mentioned the the, uh, the R&B Festival, the Great British R&B Festival yep. that you're going to be uh, headlining. And then you've got a UK tour that you're in the middle of and you're going to Europe as well. So plenty, to, plenty on your plate. 
Yes. Yes, we got the joys of Brexit to, uh, <laughs> to deal with, <laughs> you know, but we'll get there, you know, cost loads more money to do anything, but there we are. Good, good idea, but, you know, <laughs> great, great plan. No, we won't, we won't get political. Um, yeah, no, we're going over to Europe and I'm, we're really looking forward to it. I think we leave the UK about the 9th, 9th of May, and we do Germany, Holland, Switzerland, Italy, France and Spain. So uh, be very nice, you know. Absolutely, so absolutely. Forward to it. Wonderful. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Pete, and uh, best and of you. luck with the tour. I'm sure it's all going to go you. fantastically well, and we look forward to, to seeing you, especially at the uh, the Great British R&B Festival. Well, I'll see you there then. All right, <laughs> mate, take care. The brilliant Pete Jupp there. Right now, it's the time of the show for the top fives. And of course, this week, I'm going to give you my favourite five songs from FM. But first, some of your comments from last week's top five songs from The Animals. I think it's pretty hard to disagree with The House of the Rising Sun being number one. It's such a classic. Although Kevin Bartholomew. I think his name is, apologies if I've got that wrong, said he'd have We Gotta Get Out of This Place as his number one, and he threw a new song into the mix for his top five of When I Was Young. Alan Lowell said uh, Don't Bring Me Down should have been in the top five. Good song as well, of course. Uh, Plenty of people showing their love for the band too, including Gary Richardson, Thomas Delaney, and Franco Arlem. Athel Manson pointed out the Bon Jovi Unplugged sets, which featured an animals medley of It's My Life and We Gotta Get Out of This Place. And Bill McHugh pointing out a 1960s 77 Spanish flair version of Please Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Santa Esmeralda. Thank you to everyone who was in touch this week. So to FM then. Remember, this is my personal choice of my favourite five songs. It is highly subjective. I don't expect you to agree. In fact, I'd love to hear how you disagree. So please do reach out with your own top fives this week too. So here we go. My top five favourite FM songs according to Vintage Rock Pod. At five is a track from their third studio album, Taking It to the Streets. It has such a strong vibe to it. It's got a great beat and one they still play live today. At five is Crack Alley. At four is from their debut album, Indiscreet. It was the best track on the album for me, covered by Iron Maiden as a B-side to one of their single releases too. At four is That Girl. At three is the opening track from their fourth studio album, Aphrodisiac. I love how it builds from a, a sparse, spatial opening into a big, beefy, meaty riff that rolls on with a suitably big chorus too. And number three is Breathe Fire. At number two is a song from their second album. It's everything that's great about the band and that hard rock radio-friendly sound. The chorus is massive and one that requires sing-along participation. At number two is Bad Luck. luck 
And at number one is another from their second album, the title track, in fact. For me, it's the band at its best. It marked a slightly harder sound to the more polished earlier finish on the first album. The number one FM song, according to Vintage Rock Pod, is Tough It Out. So there you go, my top five songs from FM or FM UK if you're in North America. As I said, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this list. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Let me know. You can email me, vintagerockpod at gmail.com, or you can catch me on any of the social media platforms. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the likes. YouTube as well. Give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, whatever it is. It's all free. It would be most appreciated. Now, I do hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, please hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on so that you don't miss any more future episodes. I can tell you, next week's show features another Rock and Roll Hall of Famer who is inducted alongside Neil Young and Stephen Stills. It's an episode not to miss. And also, don't forget the new daily This Day Rocks episodes, which head your way every single day. have been met with a great reception, so thank you to everyone who's reached out these last few weeks about those new shows. Well, that's it for me then. Remember, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock, just tell them, my music is better than yours. Take care.